It is 29 degrees. The wind is blowing about 30 miles an hour on the 31st of October. Welcome to one of the coldest Halloweens on record. Thank you very much. Let's warm it up with some conversations about biofuels. And let's talk some turkey on the table. Live from the precipice of November via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Chris Bliley from Growth Energy. Then it's Morgan Pothaven from the Iowa Turkey Federation. And directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Jabari. Okay, here's the deal. I know I talk a lot about affordability. Uh-huh. I got to ask, have you seen the cost of a bag of candy? Here's here's uh, here's my uh, strategy. We have okay. lights that turn on automatically on our palatial mansion here in okay. the city of Kansas. Yes. Shows the front of it. Let's all the neighbors know we're doing yep. well. You know, we're yep. doing just fine. Uh, right. You got to change them. We use yeah. Halloween as our night to change them forward after daylight savings time because the house will be dark when the kids yes. come by. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be my strategy as well. Turn the porch light off. Yep. Draw the shades and mm-hmm. just weather the storm of of toilet paper and mm-hmm. eggs mm-hmm. and everything because I'm not spending that on a bag of candy. Not no. to just toss around for free. No. No. You're just handing out candy because people come up and ask for it what is yeah, that doesn't what make any that? sense doesn't make any sense that's I'm not the america the, i know yeah well and and plus the uh the only kid on on the lane mm-hmm. has i i think she's yeah she does she does she's already got kids of her own okay oh and so we haven't had a trick-or-treater back here at the flory ranch yeah. for probably well, oh, 20 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I r- really don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. You could still you could still buy the candy you. just in case. But you, mm-hmm. you've got them pouring in. Yeah. <sighs> yes, you do. They're going to skip right it. over my place. I'll see to that. You love it. You <laughs> love it. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That's Davis. Yes. Uh, yeah. 29 degrees. The wind is blowing hard. Yeah. It is one of the coldest Halloweens on record, uh, especially when you take a look at the feels-like temperature out there. So uh, yeah. with that in mind, let's go ahead and get started with the news. Well, I would like to start with the weather outlook. Crisp autumn air mass, says the National Weather Service, to lead to a shivering Halloween throughout much of the central and eastern United States. Snow showers to swing across the Great Lakes and parts of the Midwest Atmospheric river will usher in wet weather to the Pacific Northwest by midweek. I kind of like the way the National Weather Service put this. Snow showers to swing through the Great Lakes and parts yeah. of the Midwest. Just going to yeah. swing on by. Yeah, they're swinging through right now is what they're doing. <laughs> and uh, uh, we've got some accumulated snow up in northeast Iowa. Uh, the feels like, by the way, is 14 degrees. It's Ew. chilly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got a daily sale here. Private exporters okay. reported sales of 239,492 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Mexico during the 2324 yeah. marketing year, buddy. Yeah, when I saw Mexico in the highlight in the headline, I assumed immediately that it would be corn, but here it is. Mexico's getting their book of beans filled now. I got your crop progress uh, report highlights here as of October 29. Pretty simple here. Corn and beans ahead of average harvest pace. Corn at 71. Soybeans at 85% harvested. Again, both ahead the average pace. Cotton behind the average pace of bowls opening. Uh, just a little bit ahead of the harvest pace. Winter wheat, 84% planted. In line-ish. 64% emerged. 47% good to excellent. That compares to 28% good right. to excellent. Same week last year, Chip, on that winter wheat. Yeah, a little tougher than a year ago on the HRW, but better on the SRW in that yep. crop condition rating. Well, Chip, U.S. commercial real estate lending is experiencing a significant decline, reaching historically low levels. This reduction in funding poses several risks, including an increased likelihood of defaults on expiring debt and a notable drop in new construction projects for various property types like warehouses and apartments. Plenty of warehouses and apartments that are still available out there. Yep. 
Well, the World Gold Council's Q3 Gold Demand Trends Report indicates continued support for gold as central bank purchases maintain a historic pace, driving quarterly gold demand to 1,147 uh, 1, tons, surpassing the five-year average by 8%. Total gold supply increased by 6% year-on-year in Q3, with mine production reaching a year-to-date record. And Chip, a quick shameless plug, I just uh, punched out the this month's Landowner newsletter, and we feature our annual gold-to-land value okay. comparison. Interesting there. It's always very interesting to take yep. a look at that. Good stuff. House Republicans, 14.3 billion dollar plan for Israel, which breaks with the Biden administration by separating it from Ukraine and Taiwan aid, also left out humanitarian assistance for civilians in Gaza that the White House had requested. Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters he expects a House vote on the measure Thursday. The bills, Chip, the bill's unusual reliance on IRS cuts to pay for Israel aid has already angered some Democrats. Well, any any spending cut is going to anger some Democrats. Yep. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu said there will be no pause in the fighting of in Gaza as he believes it is a time for war. As of October 30, Ukraine has planted approximately 5.34 million hectares of winter crops, according to the Ag Ministry. That's 85.7% of the expected planted area. China's official manufacturing PMI for October slipped uh, below growth neutral to 49.5 from september's 50.2 chip all right thank you very much davis let's bring in karen bonert editor of farm journals mel good morning karen hello chip so talk to me about how dairy farmers are putting together financing in what is a challenging time for many producers well sure i know that many are still working with harvest like we are but it's time to start thinking about closing those books. And like you said, dairy producers, we can't close the books on 2023 fast enough. But Chip, really what I think we need to talk about is a line of credit. And if a producer doesn't have one, I would encourage them to talk to their lender. This certainly could help with those purchasing inputs, prepaying inputs for next year, as well as having flexibility to make purchases when you need it. Uh, my friend Gary Saporsky, he says that producers better understands the, understand the terms, Chip, when it comes to the line of credit, especially understanding how interest is calculated. And so you need to ask, like, you know, do I need to have it paid by the end of the year? What does renewables look like? And really, how can that line of credit be used? And one person told me, you got to, Karen, you got to monitor that line of credit as closely as you would the checkbook. And so the good thing, Chip, is last year, many producers were, were able to use that line of credit to help you know, get it dwindled down to zero. And that was good that they were able to have that line of credit or the extra funds to pay down on that line of credit. But this year we don't have that. And so we we do need to have those conversations around the table with our lenders, our accountants to see what the what's the best best strategy going forward. So yeah. it's just a conversation that you need to start the line of credit. I know most of us are are looking at that and having to use it some at least. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some consumers treat it like it's free money, Karen, and it's not. <laughs> You're it going to be a wake-up call if you do. You know, it's going to be a wake-up call. <laughs> you, you better believe it. <laughs> Good stuff, Karen. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Chip. You bet. Read more about it at www.dairyherd.com. Karen's got great stuff on that website there for you. Okay, coming up next, we are going to be talking about biofuel use and cap and trade in california we've got chris bliley from growth energy next before those all important first steps or that first day of school and long after graduation caps fly through the air your dairy checkoff reaches families across moments big and small mom can i have more milk to nurture a love for dairy it reinforces the positive role dairy plays in their everyday lives and shares how it's produced with care for our cows and for the earth. Find out how your checkoff is making every drop count at usdairy.com. At Simplot Grower Solutions, success starts with seed. For each field condition, climate, and agronomic management style, your local Simplot Grower Solutions crop advisor can help you select and provide the seed that enables you to plant a strong foundation for the growing season. Our team of seed experts are committed to your success and will offer the support you need to optimize your yield potential. Contact your local crop advisor now for your best seed opportunity or visit SimplotGrowerSolutions.com for more information. 
I taught for 20 years, until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation, together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd surf. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Agritalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday morning. Happy Halloween. Um, so... Davis, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when something mm-hmm. is happening in the biofuels industry, we tend to try to give it some attention. We like to mention it. Shine a light on it. <laughs> shine a light. Keep the pilot light lit. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So the California Air Resources Board is considering oh, some revisions to the California's uh, cap-and-trade regulations. Oh. and. Uh, Growth Energy is helping them out and has uh, submitted some comments to CARB. And to talk about those comments that were submitted is Chris Bliley. He is the Senior VP of Regulatory Affairs for Growth Energy. Chris, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm doing great. Always great to talk to you, Chip, and uh, happy Halloween. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Um, So, okay, cap and trade. Let's make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. What I know is the California Air Resources Boards, or CARBs, uh, cap and trade, it's an important part of the state's efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The cap in cap and trade is a declining limit, and I think it's important to understand that it's a declining cap on those greenhouse gas emissions for the entire state, correct? Yeah, no, I think you described it very well, um, Chip. I I think the state and and really any, you know, sort of any policy making body who looks at cap and trade, it uses as as a tool to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, that is first and foremost the the goal. And as you said, California is considering updates and what they want to do is tighten that cap um, for a lack of a better term. Okay. What is the trade in cap and trade? Well, so you you know uh, you're creating credits and deficits yep. essentially, and so uh, you know for folks who overqualify or underqualify, um, you want to be, be able to trade those those credits and deficits yep. essentially. Um, but the the goal really is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and so you're putting a value a value on you know tonnage of greenhouse gas emissions. 
with the intent to, you know, really drive those reductions. Okay. So when we talk about revisions to cap and trade, is that like moving the target? You know, once a target is hit, you got to lower the cap again. Yes, exactly. Yep. Okay. And it, and so California is in the process. They're they're gaining they're gathering feedback at this point about where they want to go. They're also doing something similar in their low carbon fuel standard. Uh, where we as an industry are a bit closer to it. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, they're trying to decide how they will get to some of the state's broader greenhouse gas emissions targets. And, you know, is that a just they put out a couple scenarios. Is that a 40 percent, 58 percent, 55 percent, 48 percent to ultimately get to an 85 percent by 2045 target of 30 million tons? So. Okay. You can see there's a lot of room in that, um, but you know I think for us the real thing is that biofuels are exempt um, because we are a way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and so I, I think for us it's continuing to push to use more biofuels in the state as a way to achieve their targets. Okay, so California's Air Resources Board CARB. And it's low carbon fuel standard. It really is. It, it has created. It, let's see. Other states want to be California's hair. Uh, you know, kind of duplicate what what they're doing in California. How many other states have this have a similar pro, uh, program in place? On the low carbon fuel standard, uh, yeah. neighboring neighboring states, Oregon and Washington, uh, both have programs. Oregon's been in in place for a few years. Washington has really just begun. Um, and then as you get outside of the U.S., actually British Columbia, if you kind of keep up the Pacific Coast, yeah. um, there are other states that are considering action. Certainly, states that have legislation. Uh, New Mexico is considered legislation. Illinois is considering legislation. Michigan, uh, New York has also looked at it. But right now it is just the West Coast. Okay. All right. So on these revisions to cap and trade, when they're thinking about what they can do, they go out and they look for help from people like Growth Energy and organizations like Growth Energy. What did you suggest to them in, the, in your comments? Well, I, I think honestly, our our feedback was really on the idea that biofuels are and should remain exempt. I think there are, um, as some indicated, there are concerns. Uh, the state has indicated some concerns about biofuels, and you know what we see as as you know really a falsehood is land use change, um, and they see land use change as a way that potentially biofuels may not, may, maybe shouldn't be exempt from the program. Okay. And so what we really did was, was straighten the record here. Um, we talked about the substantial yield increase without a change in acres, you know, a 700% increase in yield with basically the same acreage. Um, we also talked about that there's newer science to say that land use change is much, much lower than even California shows today. And so really any concerns about land use change are unfounded. And so really we wanted to present that to CARB um, to show that biofuels should and remain exempt. Um, again, I think, you know, as we've talked about many times, ethanol is a 50%, nearly a 50% reduction compared to gasoline. So the more of it we use in E15, E85, higher blends. Yeah lower the state's greenhouse gas emissions are going to be. And right. so it only makes sense that biofuels remain exempt from the program so that we can use more of it to help the state achieve some of its climate goals. Okay. On the land use issues, are you talking about using the GREET model in their analysis? Well, that that's certainly part of it. So California okay. does use the GREET model, okay. um, but they assess a much higher land use penalty than the national GREET model. And so, okay. you know, while favorable that they do use greed as opposed to a higher, you know, some of these other more obscure models, adding on that land use penalty really, you know, there's something we continue to push back against. And, and that's part of the science that we present is that it should be a much lower land use change value. Okay. All right. I get it. 
Um, can can they sell E15 in California? Yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, so this has also been okay. part of our push, probably with with everything we do with the state. You know, we we did a study a few years ago, and just using E15, if, if you converted the entire state to E15. That would save California, you know, 1.9 million tons a year, the equivalent of taking 400,000 cars off California roads. Um, and that's just one state, you know, so okay, that's a substantial reduction. And again, yeah. that's that's 100 um, percent. But still, any you know meaningful increase in E15 in the state is going to help them achieve some of their climate targets. And so wow. we continue to work with the state. We continue to work with the Air Resources Board and the other agencies to, to get traction on approval. But, you know, we, we certainly would like that to happen faster and very hopeful that as the state is considering some, you know, revisions yeah. to cap and trade and low carbon fuel standard, that they really look to maximize the benefits of higher biofuel blends like E15. Right. Well, and isn't California a great market for E85? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Uh, we were I was just looking at it this morning. E85 volumes have climbed substantially in California. I mean, I think we saw more than a 50% increase from 2020 to 2021. And so, you know, we've really seen E85 do well out there. That additional E85 use has certainly helped, uh, you know, reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the state. And so, you know, it only makes sense that you approve E15 as another higher biofuel blend to help yeah. achieve your climate goals. Yep. Yep. You know, did you see what uh, I believe it's, was it Chevy or Ford that they've, that they are backing away on their goals for EV production electric vehicle production just simply because they're saying that consumers aren't showing interest in the ev to begin with and those that have had an ev aren't showing interest in buying one again yeah i've seen some of those reports recently i think gm and also tesla even um, even tesla yeah yeah even some of their inventory is up um you know ultimately i i think that's the thing is that you know, consumers have to choose, right? Yep. And we're hopeful that, you know, they can continue to use their vehicles and higher blends to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Excellent. Excellent. I can't believe we're out of time already, Chris. That went really fast. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chip. Always great to catch up with you. You bet. Chris Bliley, Senior VP of Regulatory Affairs at Growth Energy. We're talking turkey next. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Has your child swallowed your medicine, your laundry detergent, your nail polish remover? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you inhaled paint thinner, blue pesticides? Call the Poison Helpline. Have a question about a dose, a fume, something your kid just drank? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Boy, the soy complex has turned into a choppy son of a gun, hasn't it, Brian? Yeah, so I'm going to start with meal. Uh, big okay. day of uh, corrective selling yesterday and, and uh, bounced back, uh, found buyers on that and, and trading uh, sharply to the upside this morning. Uh, that's influencing the soybean market. We also had a daily soybean sale to Mexico, and, yeah. and so that's given us some fundamental support along with the uh, the strength in the meal market. And uh, boy, the, the meal and, and soybeans trading to the upside uh, is influencing corn. And, and uh, while those gains are lesser, uh, corn continues to follow the lead of, of soybeans and meal on a day-to-day -day basis here. It certainly is. Yeah, there's no question about it. If wheat would participate today, it could turn into something impressive. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wheat's the dog of the complex, and uh, you know, outside markets, the dollar's more than 500 points higher, and and that's negative. And and uh, while the exports have picked up a little bit here recently for U.S. wheat, um, they remain. Uh, you know, the bar is pretty low at this point in time uh, for yeah. the export side of things, and and that's really limiting buyer interest. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, hogs are trying. They're working on a what I think it's a seventh consecutive day of gains. Yeah, absolutely. Trying. Uh, that That's the key. And, and uh, you know, as long as that's the case, uh, we continue to narrow up the discount to the uh, cash index. The cash index continues to fall on a seasonal basis. So, um, boy, it, it that discount is, has really kind of evaporated uh, or, or narrowed up quite a bit over the past week plus here. And uh, that, that effort uh, is ongoing here at mid-morning. Pretty choppy in the uh, live cattle and feeder cattle uh, yep. with a downside bias here at mid-morning. All right. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you, buddy. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. This is Andrew McCray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out, put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. I think I'm going to get me a cowbell in here, Davis. You going to get one? I think so. Uh huh. You know, they're probably on sale. When everybody, everybody, yeah. You want jingle bells this time of year? <laughs> Nobody cares about cows. Nobody cares about the cowbells at this time of the year. Perfect. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Interesting conversation with with Chris when it comes mm-hmm. to things like cap and trade and and uh, what it, 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 the the revisions. You know, we always talk about boy, those are aggressive targets. Well, and the thing is. Once the target is hit or they get close to hitting the target, they make it more difficult to hit the target again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's an interesting process to watch. Uh, boy, it and, and how it all plays out in the role that biofuels uh, are, are going to play in the California uh, emissions policies are very, very important to mm-hmm. what's happening in the Midwest. No Agreed. question about that. Indeed. All right. Ready to talk some turkey? Let's do it. We've got Morgan Pothoven. She is the Director of Communications for the Iowa Turkey Federation with us. Morgan, welcome to AgriTalk. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing just fine. Just fine. Um, the, the the main reason that I wanted to get to, get you on is to talk about avian influenza because there was another detection up in northwest iowa i believe it was uh buena vista county it, here it, it was a commercial turkey flock like fifty thousand birds in the flock what is the status of avian influenza in the state right now morgan well you know i like to bring the good news when i when i get to talk to you guys yeah. <laughs> so you know we have seen lower cases in 2023 um you know when it comes to avian influenza and, and looking at the future um, and looking at what's to come. You know, our farmers are vigilant and, and the industry is vigilant and looking at those migratory bird patterns. So, you know, my avian influenza is introduced by migratory birds, you know, is, is the highest introduction um, 
to to the to the farms. And so looking at those patterns and strict biosecurity, I mean, our farmers are, are always watching and preparing. Um, we've learned a lot since 2015 um, and then over the last year. So, you know, we're definitely going in the right direction, but obviously continue to, to hate to see having these cases at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, you know, when we think about the the virus moving in with migratory birds, I mean, when I think about a turkey flock, a, a turkey flock or uh, uh, a layer flock, I don't think about those birds making contact at all with migratory birds. But it's the fact that they, when they move into the area, if they bring bird flu with them, other birds are going to get them that might have contact with the flock, correct? Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about biosecurity, it's creating that line of separation. You know, anything, if a if a flock that, a migratory bird flock that comes over your farm flies over and defecates anything, lands on top of the barns, uh, whatever, and, and a beetle rodent or anything kind of ventures in, or even, you know, if, if we're not disinfecting correctly or we're not wearing, you know, the right boots or not, not doing all of those efforts, those are all introductory vectors um, that can become into the farm. So right. you know, obviously things that our farmers do or, or the biosecurity, like clean clothes, clean boots, all those things that they can control, um, you know, tightening up their barns, all of those things. Um, Cause those are all vectors that we don't necessarily think of when we have turkeys and, and poultry in barns. Yep. Yep. You mentioned 2015, terrible year for AI in the state. Uh, one of the things that we learned in 2015 is that speed matters you know when when it's detected the quicker that we can depopulate that flock and get that virus under control in that in that barn the better right Mm -hmm. correct yep yeah so those birds are then what what happens to those birds when when a flock is depopulated yep so those birds um all have to be depopulated on site uh, in the barn that's detected. And if there's other barns on site, just to, to stop the spread to potential, you know, if, if we see any airborneness or anything like that, there's, that's how we mitigate that is depopulating that site and then um, doing composting and then disinfecting the barn. Um, so those are done a couple of ways, you know, foaming is an option as well as ventilation um, control. So uh, our farmers know what works best for their farms, as well as working with the industry, um, the Department of Agriculture, USDA, all of those things, all those people come together to to help mitigate the spread and and depopulate that flock so we don't spread it to others. Right, right. Now, important to note is that if a if a flock has been detected as with with avian influenza, those birds do not make it to the to the market. They don't they don't make it to the consumer, do they? Correct. Yep. So you can ensure that your food supply is safe. They're not going to make it into the into the supply chain. Um, so the, the turkey that you're feeding your families in any form is is safe. Right. Right. And, you know, when we take a look at at, at um, avian influenza in people, in humans, very, very, very rare occurrence in the United States. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's something that's really not even discussed because it's so rare yeah. <laughs> so yeah nothing we, we really worry about nope right i mean the last i looked it was there 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 were a couple of people in cambodia that were confirmed to have uh, uh you know a case of bird flu but uh boy it's just exceptionally rare that it happens okay Correct. so when this happens we depopulate the flocks but it sounds like well, what is the status of the turkey supply as we get into into November? Yeah, so another piece of good news: you will have turkeys on Thanksgiving. Sweet. <laughs> so when it comes, <laughs> I, I I love to say that everybody, you know, you, you get so worried coming up to the holiday. Obviously, some people look for specific turkeys, um, turkey sizes, I should say. Um, our advice every year is that consumers should plan ahead if there's a specific weight or type of turkey you want, fresh, frozen, organic, etc. Um, if you require that, you know, shopping early is never a problem, but turkey companies and retailers plan for Thanksgiving well in advance. And so the supply for your store has been set by now. And, and, and that supply is ensured that, it's, that you're going to have it at your store. So right. we love to we love to say, hey, you're going to have turkey, so choose turkey. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's a favorite here, you know, in the Flory House on Thanksgiving. No question about that. Um, what about the cost? What What's the price of the bird going to be this year? Um, the You know, the price of the bird, it varies upon retailer, but you're still going to see, like, holiday discounts. The closer you get to Thanksgiving especially, um, retailers always want to provide an affordable protein. Uh, you're still probably going to see the the buy ham, get a turkey for free. And so, you know, choose choose both and, and fill your freezer. Um, it's the yep. best, most economical way, honestly, the Thanksgiving meal can be to, to feed your family. Um, you know, when you think of turkey, it's kind of also used as, as a, a leeway into buying other products at the store too. So if they have good turkey prices, you're probably also going to choose, um, you know, stuff for your green bean casserole at the store. And, and that's what retailers want. They want to be a one-stop shop. And so they're going to, they're going to provide good prices for for all the consumers and the people in their area so that uh, so that you shop um, not just for your turkey but your other products there as well exactly yep yep when when a turkey can be a loss leader we know we've got plenty of supply uh, and availability <laughs> yeah. going into thanksgiving right yes that is so true <laughs> all right um you know another thing i like what you said about filling the freezer and doing it at this time of the year when the uh, when the turkey price is affordable or there are deals available out there, um, what a versatile bird when when it comes to putting it on the table. There's so many ways to use it. Uh, there, it's more than just roasting that bird on on Thanksgiving that you can do with turkey, right? Correct. Uh, turkey takes on any flavor profile, really. Yep. So you know you can you can cook your turkey for Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving bird, and then also make something like orange turkey with it or make turkey tacos. It really takes any flavor profile on, whether you're choosing it for your whole bird or whether you're choosing a tenderloin or ground meat. Um, it, it really has a place uh, all year round. Yeah. Yep. How many turkeys does Iowa produce in a year? Uh, around 12 million turkeys a year. So we are seventh in production. Seventh in production in the U.S. at about 12 million uh, birds a year. And here's an interesting note on that. Takes about a bushel of corn, okay, a bushel of corn and one-third of a bushel of soybeans to get a turkey to market weight. So, yes. it, it's you know, when you get up where those turkey barns are, it's important to to keep those uh, those barns in operation and to keep bird flu out. Hey, if you if you lose a flock of fifty thousand, uh, fifty thousand birds, and <laughs> that that can have an impact on your markets, your corn and your soybean markets in that specific area. So in two thousand fifteen, my gosh, nobody thought that it was going to have a big big impact on uh, corn demand in the state of Iowa, and it did. It absolutely yeah. had an impact. Yeah. The nice part about when it comes to turkey production is, you know, obviously, like we've talked about already, we've gotten a lot quicker with the mitigation of the spread. And yeah. and then also, you know, farmers have a plan and they can they can disinfect and, and re hopefully repopulate quicker because we've been through it. You know, right. we hate to be the poster child for foreign animal disease, but at the same time, we also know what we're doing now and we're we're working diligently and really hard. And so hopefully you don't see those lags or, or you know, we can repopulate quicker because of yeah fantastic when you're cooking your turkey you know I, ours ends up in the oven but a lot of people end up uh, in in the uh, turkey fryer if that happens <laughs> just do it right <laughs> you don't want you don't want the fire department showing up on thanksgiving thank you so much morgan we sure appreciate you thanks so much you bet morgan pothoven director of communications for the iowa turkey federation I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with Machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Ready for our little forest adventure? Yes! Yeah. 
side I want to be. We're here. There's a forest closer than you think. Find a park or forest near you and music inspired by nature. Discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by USDA Forest Service and the Ad Council. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Alex Peterson is the chairman of the U.S. Dairy Export Council and a producer from Trenton, Missouri. He joins us right now. Alex, how does the checkoff through the Dairy Management Inc. and the U.S. Dairy Export Council work to build U.S. dairies relevance abroad? We build relevance by building demand, and Marketing 101 applies whether you're in your local grocery store or if you're in a grocery store in Tokyo or Singapore or Abu Dhabi. It's you have to meet the customer with a quality product, give them a good experience, give them great customer service, and make sure the red tape doesn't hold it up at any step of the way. Fantastic. So what is the current state of the dairy export market? So last year, we hit 60 home runs. This year, we hit 55 home runs. That doesn't mean we're going to get cut. It just means we're not as pretty as we were last year. But that trend line is phenomenal. You know, and when we talk about checkoff dollars, we like to get a good return on investment. And there is a fantastic return on the work that you're doing in the dairy export markets. Absolutely. Huge return. And not just a big return, but if we weren't doing it, Yep. then all of these companies looking to export would be redundantly spending, you're not going to believe this, farmer's money, obviously, yep. <laughs> to do those things. If, if every co-op and every process that exported had to have a market access team, a regulatory affairs team, a marketing team, a cheese marketing team, those are costs that by doing it under checkoffs right. umbrella, under the U.S. deck system, we're able to do that once with not just farmer dollars, but a few other dollars too but not be redundant, which the only thing worse than bad spending is redundant spending. Exactly. And so that's what we really do extremely well at U.S. Dairy. Brings the efficiency into the process. Thank you, Alex. That is Alex Peterson, chairman of the U.S. Dairy Export Council and a producer from Trenton, Missouri. Learn more at www.usdairy.com. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before. And have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. I want to talk a little bit about trick-or-treating coming up here in just a bit. But first, let's make time for this Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the mighty micro from Mosaic. 
Chip, this morning it feels like we utter look to Minnesota. We'll go to okay. Ottertail County. See what I did there? <laughs> West I Central do. Minnesota. But this well is done. super this is super interesting and a little bizarre. Maybe you can help me get my head around this. Okay. A grower writes this quote. Some of the best corn I've grown. All right. Smoked by hail at V9. Yeah. yeah. Less than half of normal rainfall. And still green at the end of October with no yeah. frost, exclamation point, no idea how, close quote. Um, you know, when he's, I saw that one last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, late last week I saw that one. Yep. Um, the still green part does confuse me. I mean, I wonder if he hit it with a fungicide after the hail event to try to keep some disease out after the interior of those plants mm-hmm. was exposed by by the damage from the hail I, you know i wonder if he did that if he if that happened mm-hmm. um good on him for 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 making that effort a lot of times if you're smoked by hail mm-hmm. um you you call the insurance adjuster not the not the uh not the fungicide to, guy yeah yeah not the fungicide <laughs> dealer to uh to to assess what's going on out there but yeah still green at that time of the year yeah it's it, uh pretty amazing pretty yeah. amazing and yeah. you know that that story is not unique to ottertail mm-hmm. county minnesota um there are there are similar stories. You know, one thing, and this keeps coming up as, as afterthoughts, or as an afterthought. Mm. Um, the influence of the smoke that we had in the atmosphere this year. Yeah. Did that somehow, some way, help the corn crop oh. survive through some really dry conditions in in key areas that's really interesting and i, I don't heard anybody know, say that i don't know the answer to that i i don't know if anybody really knows the answer to that at this point um but as i'm having conversations about what did you learn mm-hmm. about the 2000 or, or what did you learn about growing corn in mm-hmm. 2023 uh, we'll go through a long list of things that people have learned and then at the very end, they'll say, and you know what? I wonder if the smoke had any influence. Well, here's what we're going to do. Okay. Since uh, we're broadcasting from an island, basically. Uh, yeah. Sam, go ahead and shut down the phone lines here. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say that you are right. And, in fact, we're going to take it one step further and call that the Flory effect. What do you think? <laughs> hmm? I don't know if I want to be associated Wildfire smoke effect. Cradling what, what, and nurturing what? crops in Minnesota. What could be a better representation <laughs> of the kind of guy you are? Yeah, right. Huh? Right. Very good. Very yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. That's, right. that's an interesting take. So yeah. tell me, when you were out doing uh-huh. trick or treat and running around in your spider man uh mm-hmm. costume or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I'll bet you it's were a cowboy. Off. I'll bet you were a cowboy. Cowboy came up an awful lot. Uh, and really, I just, I already had the stuff. You know, it was yeah. a cheap costume. Right. Just just put on your chore clothes. <laughs> yeah, put on your... And a special hat. Boy. You know, a different, little different hat, and that's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> little holster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking mm-hmm. good. Looking good. Uh, so was it, was it just straight trick-or-treating, or was it trick-or-treat for UNICEF? Well... <sighs> in my childhood you're saying yeah yeah it was it was a trip to grandma's which was always a big deal because uh grandma and grandpa had moved off the farm into town yeah you know what i mean yeah i'm I'm using the word town loosely we're talking maybe two thousand residents right nice little town it can fill Uh, a bag with candy oh dude you would have thought i was in new york city going into town you know (laughs) and they're just handing it out yeah we did we did well but then back over to grandma's just to make sure that you know she she still had cookies and cake and stuff right it was always fun yeah Yeah, very good we did the trick-or-treat for unicef through through the church oh okay Uh, everything started in the basement at at the church um everybody had to make sure that they had their reflective 
you know, tape on their arm, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Um, but uh, then we would go out and hit as many houses as we could in Oxford Junction, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And the goal was not only to fill the bag with candy, but to fill the little orange box with pennies. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's, and uh, then, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Trick or treat for UNICEF. I can't even hardly say trick or treat without yeah. for UNICEF. Really? Like, yeah, that's the two bits for me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Huh. How do you like that? Well, as we as we discussed yesterday, without the two bits, you got yep. nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> that's right. So so we're when you got the apple. Yeah. What did you think of the apple? I would eat the apple. Would you? I eat it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would no, cut it into bits see, because I had us all terrified that there was going to be razor blades and stuff in there. Right. I'm not trying to eat that. Exactly. I mean, safety first. That's right. That's right. I mean, I've always been a fan of fruit. I've always uh-huh. enjoyed apples and pears and peaches and all that kind of stuff. Well, 15 but, increase from but, the previous year for candy. This year, soaring cocoa prices haunt candy costs. Read the headlines leading to Halloween budget revisions. It's fruit for everyone, I think, is what this is. <laughs> Heck with the candy. Well, Here, kids, I don't you want some kumquats? I got, I got a kiwi in the fridge, kids. <laughs> if you don't give it to them, they'll do a trick. Oh, my God. And the, when you found the house that gave the full-size candy bars versus the little bite-size or fun-size things? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, that house got a return visit. Circle the house, put on a different hat, and come back to the door. Exactly, like swap (laughs) costumes or something. Go back and hit them again. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. We've got Mark Rempe from Quad Commodities right here on AgriTalk. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if Micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? Micro Essentials feeds commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with Micro Essentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic. No doubt you've heard of MetLife, but did you know that MetLife Investment Management has over 100 years of ag lending experience? The MetLife Investment Management team maintains close relationships with its borrowers and can structure a customized loan with flexible terms to meet your financial needs. Looking to expand, refinance, or recapitalize? Consider MetLife Investment Management. Learn more at metlife.com forward slash ag.